Hey everybody, thanks for listening. After 9, we're going to get right to the content, but we just wanted to welcome our new listeners from Crossover Radio. Yes, you can check After 9 in syndication on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. by listening online or checking out the Crossover Radio app. You can download that at the iTunes, Google Play, or Amazon Store. It's great. We love our friends there, and we'll pop in time to time and chat with them. But now, here you go, episode 97 of After 9. Time for honest reflection in youth ministry. Whether you are 19 and are just getting started or have been serving in ministry for 19 years, we hope this weekly dose of honesty and humor helps. Welcome to After Nine, the most honest conversation in youth ministry. Hello and welcome to After Nine. My name is Chad Higgins. And uh, I'm Zach Working. Zach, how in the world are you? I am so good, Chad. Thank you for asking. Whoa, Zach, a little bit different voice change here. I mean, I'm so good. <laughs> Zach, what is happening? Well, that's right. That was just me talking a little bit softer today, Chad. No, uh, no. Th- so we're super excited to have our friend Kristen Lascola on the podcast today. Kristen, how in the world are you doing today? <laughs> I am good. I am so happy to be here with you guys. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, I'm excited. This is fun. Favorite place it, to be right here. That's right. The best place to be uh, anytime after nine is here on the podcast, hanging out with us, talking about the most honest questions in youth ministry. And so, Kristen, you're not here by accident. So today, as we have this conversation, Chad and I were thinking, if we're going to ask the question, what in the world do I do with my middle schoolers? Or am I expecting too much from my middle schoolers? <laughs> we thought of nobody better to bring on and have a conversation about middle school with than our favorite middle school pastor all the way out from Southern California, Kristen Lascola, hanging out at North Church. Kristen, maybe share just a little bit of how you're doing today and uh, give us give us a middle school like success story or horror story as we wander into this conversation today. <laughs> oh man, you know, geez, it's been 12 years on staff, 13 if you count my one year as a volunteer. So there's a lot of you know, it's like you pick a category, horror story with a parent, horror story with an event, <laughs> horror story with staff, horror story with, I mean, there's lots, lots to choose from, but. Um, this this sounds like a phenomenal, like, wheel where I just get yes. to spin it. It's like, give me a horror story with a kid. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to just throw myself under the bus. That's okay. where the horror story will go because I don't want, you know, you never know who's going to listen to this. So it's always, it's always nice underneath the wheels. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, one of the staples of youth ministry, especially middle school ministry is games. Yeah. And so I had a brilliant idea, you know, to be the fun youth pastor. And I was like, we're going to play, a twist on ultimate football and call it ultimate sushi ball. And so (laughs) I was looking. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's not as great as it sounds though, because I looked all over every grocery store I could for a whole fish because they were going to throw the fish like a football. Mm -hmm. So you needed the the whole fish, not just a piece of fish. Well, nobody sells whole fish. Well, that I could find except I found a tilapia And I said, there we go, tilapia. They can throw that around. So uh, we start playing, and I threw the fish in and made the kids catch it. About 
I don't know, 15 seconds in, kids come up to me, Kristen, my hands hurt. My hands are bleeding. I'm like, you are such a baby. You keep playing that game. Get in there. (laughs) And I force these kids to play this game. I thought they were just being like, oh, you know, it hurts when I catch it. Well, what I didn't know, tilapia have spikes all the way down their back. So every time the kids caught the fish, their hands were literally getting like shredded by this thing. And I am so lucky that I did not have a parent. I didn't have a like nobody called and told on me. I kept my job, but it was like, I was like hazing these kids, like making them catch a spiky fish. <laughs> and I didn't care if they were bleeding. I was like, you're such a baby. <laughs> oh you are yeah, not, that's a horror story. You are it not going blood. to believe this. Over a thousand miles separates us. We have the exact same story. Like two A T tilapia what? and everything. What? Like the exact same story. I, I and I was the same way. I was like, whatever, it's just a fish. You guys don't want to catch it. Until the first kid came up to me with just like bloody hands, and I was like, Oh my goodness. Yeah, so that is nuts that we have no. this same story. Oh my gosh, kindred spirits yes. of bad judgment right there. Yeah, well, you know, you live and learn, you know, you live and learn. Um Absolutely. All right, here's here's my middle school horror story. And it's with your middle school horror story that is not tilapia based. <laughs> one one Wednesday night, like after everything was over, one of my leaders comes up to me and goes, Hey Chad, we have we have a problem in the back. And so I follow follow her. Um as I get closer to the bathroom, there is water flowing out of the girls' bathroom, and I'm like, oh no. I walk in there and the sink has been completely ripped off of the wall, right? And like water is like spraying across the room. And I'm like, what in the world? And there's this little bitty girl, right? Like sixth grader just standing there with her head down, like crying. And I'm like, what happened? Well, she couldn't see her entire outfit, so she climbed up on oh top of the sink so she could see her outfit in the mirror that was above the sink. And as she got up there, the whole thing like crashed down on her and like just water everywhere. <laughs> Welcome to middle school ministry. Ladies and gentlemen, if you ever found yourself in the space between choosing which fresh fish to fillet on your young people or calling in an emergency plumber on a Wednesday night. Uh, you're at home here at After 9 where we're asking these honest questions about youth ministry. The the thing that I think that both of those stories highlight oh so well, and Chad and Kristen, thank you for sharing the things in which you have in common, but all <laughs> of the things in which we're going to talk about today, is that middle school students are a unique breed. I think we all need to take a pause and just name what is actually happening when we're talking about middle school students is that they are in this most kind of delicate or precarious um, pattern or stage or phase of growth that we need to either strategically think through, accommodate, or make some sense of before we rush headlong into rendering some kind of middle school ministry plan. And I think that's one of the things we really want to talk today 
Because here's some of the things that we've heard people say. Middle school students don't understand. Middle school students don't listen. Middle school students smell really bad. Middle school students this or that or whatever you want to fill in the blank with. And before we get too far into what are some practical tips to set up, uh, Chad, help us out a little bit. What are some of the frustrations of middle school students that we need to be aware of so we can make right for? Yeah, so, I mean, we're thinking through in this portion of the episode, um, some of the big frustrations that many of us as youth leaders or youth workers um, may have felt over the years, right, in, in student ministry. Yeah. And so, you know, some of the, the things that come to my mind, right, uh, off the bat are, you know, those nights where you just feel like you have prepared a message that, you know, the Lord himself has handed to you, right, and you are so excited about it. Man, you've got the points on lock, this great illustration, all those kind of things. You're, you get up there and you are um, preaching your guts out, right? And then you look out and it's just like all these middle school students like that are completely not paying attention, right? Doing something else, trying to talk to their neighbor, all of those kind of things. And then I think one of the other big frustrations that maybe many of us have is the barrage of just questions, right? Like if you've ever been in a van full of middle school students in your life, (laughs) you have answered some of the most random off-the-wall questions that you could ever imagine in your life, right? And in succession, right? Like it's never, it's never like, well, there's one question mixed in with a bunch of serious questions. It's just like the question asks a question, begets a question, and it becomes this long genealogy of weird questions that just happen to be circulating around the van that you became a sage for, which is which is great. Maybe that's a, that's an approach. Maybe that's why we pursue things. Yeah. Uh, Kristen, help us out. What are some other frustrations beyond the attention span or the random questions that seem to just pop up in the minds of middle schoolers? Yeah, I just got back from camp with them. I totally feel you on the question thing. (laughs) Woo! It's like, oh my gosh, I cannot find your shoes. You're going to have to find them yourself. But, um, so I, you know, one thing, um, you know, I, this sounds so lame, but this has been a big frustration at our church is how messy junior hires are. And as the middle school pastor, (laughs) you know, I have group on Tuesday nights and without, a doubt I get an email from our admin on Wednesday morning about some chicken nugget that fell through the cracks and I missed. But, you know, I like try so hard to keep our, our facility clean and respect our space that we share. But they are notoriously uh, ridiculously messy. Uh, and I, and I pay a lot of um, relational tax for that, actually. I know. Yeah. Um, it's just rough, you know, uh, but also one one thing I think they get a bad rap for, and I hear a lot of like uh, potential volunteers say to me that, um, you know, you just can't go deep with junior hires. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. we already touched on their attention span and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I think there's this image out there of, you know, junior hires just want to be crazy and they just, right. you know, could care less. But um, I think people have a big impression that, if you want to do fun ministry, do junior high. Mm. And if you want to do deep ministry, do high school. So I think that's kind of the the impression, I think, out and about. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I see a lot of people landing with junior hires. 
Which, which is a pretty shallow assessment, right? To think that the only thing that runs through the head of a middle school student is fun and the only thoughts that high school students have are deep ones. Let's just go ahead and clear the room and say that those are both equally untrue. Right. <laughs> and so for the middle school students that are maybe wired with a different level of energy than a 17 or 18-year-old, uh, that is not to say that they are not asking or thinking uh, about questions uh, that have meaningful answers. They may just ask them in a way that look a little different. And so I think um, before we jump into some of the practical stuff and kind of make the corner turn for what's kind of up next, let's just review and say that for, for those of you that are working either with specifically middle school students or in a mixed or combined group of middle school and high school students in your youth ministry, we hear you. And we, we want to try to name the complaints and the frustrations because, listen, Kristen's right. If you've cleaned up after enough middle school students, it's really hard to sit next to them and be like, yeah, I, I want to hear the things you have to say and watch you make a mess on the couch. <laughs> like, or if it's, if it's like Chad has said, you know, if, 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 they're, if they're out there in the audience and they can't give you seven minutes of your time when you're trying to present and teach them something, how, how can you honestly and earnestly want to give them seven minutes when they talk about the latest thing that happens? happened on Minecraft or Pokemon or whatever app or TV show that you're not interested in, but yet for them, like they want all of your attention that way. And so we get it. There is a level of of grading or frustration that can come with the territory of working with 11 through 14 year olds. And yet, and yet it might be the most pivotal age for faith because of the ways in which they're learning to identify with the world around them. And so now I'm going to open up for you and Chad and Kristen. I, I need to hear a little bit more about some of the ways in which beyond tossing tilapia to a mob of students or uh, finding ways to shorten a talk, like what are some of the things that we can identify that are happening in the lives of a middle school student that we can maybe readjust the focus or the aim of our ministerial efforts? So we don't feel more frustrated and they don't feel more alienated. First of all, let's not just throw the tilapia game out the window. I guess it's a bad idea. (laughs) It just needs to be restructured and reshaped. And here's here's my expert advice for today. Instead of a tilapia, use a cow's tongue. All right? (laughs) That is where you want to be. Yeah, no, it is the best. It's the absolute best for that type of game, a cow's tongue, because it's going to start off about a foot and a half long, and by the end of the game, it's going to be three foot. And it is phenomenal. So anyways, (laughs) it is great. Um, You know, I I think that there's a lot of of different ways that we can can start to go and and talk through uh, this conversation. One of the first things that uh, that I'd like to for us to talk a- about a little bit is kind of that uh, conversation piece as far as um, helping us um, grab these students' attention, right, um, in those uh, large session type things. You know, one of the things that I think you, you've got to be mindful of is is creating and shaping your service that allows those middle school students to stay engaged, right? That uh, each of your elements do have a kind of a quick pace to them, right? They, they're they able to stay engaged um, because f- for them, right, especially in, in our society today, they're not used to sitting there and just one thing over and over and over again, right? I mean, most of these kids are trying to check their phone and all those kind of things. And I'm not saying that we just give into that, but we're aware that this is some of the way that they learn and teach and and things like that. And so 
rolling through your service with a flow, right? Where you're able to kind of control their energy in some ways. Kristen, tell, tell us a little bit about maybe how you guys think through like your services when it comes to specifically helping students transition from element to element inside your services. Yeah, I'm actually super glad you brought that up because this is something I've learned over the years that I just couldn't believe I didn't see at first. And I spent a lot of time, like we were talking about in the beginning, being frustrated with junior hires until I realized I don't need to lower my expectations. I need to design my environment so that I help them meet my expectations. So, um, you know, there's a great book out on middle school ministry called Controlled Chaos. And from the outside perspective, I hear parents go, oh my gosh, I don't know how you do this. It looks so chaotic. And I say, no, what you don't know is every single thing we're doing is completely planned and strategic to help Mm. energy flow from one thing to the next. So practically, like you asked, I think, you know, when we're getting ready to start, I don't wait for every single kid to be quiet before I start. I just say, I put a countdown video on three minutes. And then right after that countdown video, a funny video comes up and the lights go out. So you know, it's time to make it to your seat. It doesn't matter if you're still chit chatting. I'm not, okay, guys, be quiet. We got to start. Hey, be quiet. It's like, yeah, the video will engage them and they want to be quiet because it's so funny. They want to watch what's going on immediately after that. Our announcement video transitions right after that. So now I don't have to re-get their attention for my announcements. You're already locked in on the screen, eyes and ears, because you were just watching the video. What comes next, you're still paying attention. And so we add those kind of elements in so that we can keep their attention when we really need it and then let go a little bit when it doesn't matter a whole lot. And so um, even, you know, then we'll play games that are, hey, this is a few people participating and now this is the whole group participating. Oh, crud. Well, now we need to do worship. How the heck are we going to get you back? And one of the best things I did about eight years ago is a worship transition video in between the game and worship to get everyone refocused back on the stage, back on the front, the lights go down. So there's nowhere else for you to really be. And then even in between our fast and slow worship songs, my worship pastor will do a little mini, um, just share his heart, not a mini sermon, but he'll just share his heart about, about where junior hires are at and what he wants them to pay attention to for the next song. And, and then we slow worship end it. And then they're already calmed down for the message. And so, um, you know, when we adjust our programs strategically to help them meet that mark, instead of being frustrated with why can't you pay attention, it's only 15 minute message or 20 minute message, you know, it's up to us to be strategic to know, all right. You you cannot transition your energy on your own. I'm going to look for elements to be able to do that. No, that's great. And so hearing you both share that are just things that I would want to just kind of uh, reinforce or, or echo or, or piggyback on and just say that it is so important when considering probably all of student ministry, but especially middle school ministry, flow and transition. Like more than what you're exactly going to say during your 20-minute talk or your 15-minute talk or however long you like to talk. You need to know where along the kind of chart 
of the evening that that's going to happen based on the energy level of the students that you want to engage with. Uh, you need to know that if it's a high energy moment, there was probably some kind of passing period into a medium energy moment before a low energy moment, meaning that the students are allowed to be at a higher or lower volume, energy, and intensity. Yeah. You do not have your very deep, thoughtful pietistic talk come right after the dodgeball game, right? Like, And we know that a little bit intuitively, but I wonder for a lot of our listeners out there if they've actually sat down and mapped it out. Like, They may have an outline for their talk. They may have an order of worship for the chapel or the worship experience time. But from the minute that students are allowed to show up on campus to the minute that students leave, have you mapped the energy levels, the flow of what's happening? And try to make sense and roadmap the kind of things that you're hoping to see happen in the time. And inside of that, what are the transition elements that get them from this to that? And I think that is so important here to hear you say, Kristen, that there's these videos aren't filler videos. They're useful tools. They are utility to move from this kind of environment to this kind of environment. That the that the countdown video isn't on the screen because it's cool. It's capturing the attention and slowly pulling students into the next kind of environment or space. I know that for our ministry, one of the things that's been so important is we have kind of like two large rooms. And so we let certain things that are high energy happen in the first room. And then when we move into the chapel room, the environment changes. No phones, no earbuds. It's a little bit quieter. It's a little bit darker. And so as we physically transition from either a room to a room or maybe even from standing to seat, to being seated, right? Like so maybe students are up, moving around, walking around, talking around when it's high energy. But when you're seated, the energy calms. The voices soften, there's less background noise, there's more of a kind of unified, like this is the thing that we're all doing together. And then making allowances for, hey, later, we're going to be wild, we're going to be crazy. Because for so many middle school students, and this is the thing that I want to hear more from you, Chad Higgins, talk about, is the ways in which we try to control or attach to what's happening. So Kristen, you shared control chaos. I think that's a excellent kind of understanding or metaphor for what's happening. But Chad Higgins, help us a little bit talk about the ways in which we try to like pull students in to what's happening, but then also have the grace and the wisdom to release them sure. <laughs> back into the chaos and that dance of like pulling them in and letting them go and pulling them in right. and letting them go. Well, well I think I think what we're talking about, right, is some of these transitional moments that I think, you know, if if you're newer to youth ministry, like those are those can seem like non-important things to think about, right? But it is so important as we think through this, like that flow of that night, right? Um, w- one of the things that I see that I'll, I'll hit on before I, I grab your question, Zach, is um, so often, like especially youth ministers and um, and some groups that aren't aren't thinking through some of this stuff, they'll wait until like after their announcements to begin like setting up their game. Right. And then there's this like moment of like kids are like waiting for you to like unwrap all the like noodles or whatever that you're going to play. Right. (laughs) And then you're like setting up this game in front of all your students. Well, your middle school kids are going to check out, right? They're not in, interested right. in watching you set this game up. So they're going to start talking to their friends and now you're the window closed. Right. <laughs> and so then you're trying to like reel them back in, right? Instead of yeah. thinking through, okay, there's all of these different elements of the game. Maybe I need to move it to the next room 
right? I've never tried that, but I can have it all set up there. I can then take my students there. We play this game. Then we, you know what I mean? Move them into this place or that we just think through like, this is the very first thing that we have to do of our night because it's already set up on tables. And then I'm going to go straight into this video and I've got these two leaders that are pulling everything off to the side. That way I'm not having to try to do all my cleanup during the middle of the service. Um, and it takes away from, from the overall flow of everything. Um, you know, one of the things that when you talk about engaging middle school students, you know, I think that when we can teach in, in a way and use all of these different elements to engage them in more than just their ears, right? Um, yeah. And I, I know that for me, um, especially with middle school students, like having like – you know, my, my stuff on the screen, right? Like, Hey, this is a big point that I want you to get. And I'm going to, you know, put it in a visual way for them to see it. I'm going to incorporate things like videos into the talk, man, anything that I could get them to touch, right. Or take home with them as silly as it may be, right. Are great reminders with students, right? I mean, when you're talking about seeds, give them seeds, right? Like little things like that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, they hold, they touch, like they, they can grab onto they can smell, they can hear, and you start incorporating those kind of things in, in each of your elements. So like even the game aspect of things, man, I always like to try to think through, are there are there great games that actually tie into what we're teaching, right? That may be an added game for us that night, right? That we have this fun like dodgeball game that has nothing to do with the lesson, but then like even halfway through my sermon... I'm going to play this other game that ties in and then I'm going to wrap up my talk behind it, right? And so we're we're trying to find all through the night different ways of engaging students but teaching this central point of what we're trying to get get across to them. No, Chad, I think you're right in saying that there is this level of, of multi-sensory thing that we need to take accounting for. And I think the way in which that, that, that shows up the most, at least on the other side of people being frustrated, is that I got up, I said a bunch of things, and it's like they didn't even hear it or they don't want to go deep or they had weird, silly questions. So, Kristen, help us a little bit because I think that is one of the central things that either – is the 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 biggest complaint or the most aggravating thing or maybe the most infamous stereotypical thing that middle school students don't go deep but we know that to be untrue so help maybe give us some strategies or some practical tips to be incisive in a way that helps us understand that middle school students do think deeply they may just think in a different kind of way or patterning than we would have thought Yeah, and I'm glad you said it like that, um, that they just think in a different way, uh, because you're right, they absolutely can go deep. But here's, here's where it's back on us is where how are we leading and guiding the conversation? If you want to go deep with a junior higher, um, you know, really tap into um, the power of questions. You know, are you asking the right questions? Are you asking strategic questions? questions because, you know, junior hires are, um, admittedly, um, one of the most difficult groups to work with, but I think it's because Mm, they're one of the most misunderstood groups, but the positive in all of that is that they're the most responsive group. So I have found junior hires to be incredibly responsive, 
um, when asked the right question in the right way. But in order to ask those right questions, we have to rewind, I think, all the Mm. way back to what is our relationship with them like? Because junior hires, they feed on relationship and that's what they want and um, need, I think, more than anything else. Mm. You know, we always say, make sure your students feel loved. I always say, make sure your students feel liked. You know, they expect junior higher or adults to like them or love them. Like, oh yeah, you know, you love me because you have to kind of like, oh, well, I love my sister because, you know, or my brother when, but do you like them and do they know that? And so when you make a big deal about junior hires, oh my gosh, Malia, I am so happy you're here. How was your horse thing? How was your test? How was, you know, and they know you are for them. Mm -hmm. Out of that will flow the depth that I think we're looking for with junior hires because then all of a sudden these questions and their willingness to go deep um, is triggered. Like we kind of activate their ability to talk about spiritual things when their uh, hierarchy of needs has been met. And one of those is simply being liked and being in relationship with adults. Um, So, you know, I like to coach my small group leaders just by sitting in their small group with them and leading a small group session for them and showing them how to jump from one thing to the next. Because when you strike while the iron's hot, when a student feels engaged and and liked and cared for, um, they really will talk about spiritual things. But, you know, it just doesn't come as easily as, you know, high schoolers maybe are... um, you know, the more mature ones are, are ready for that. And they might initiate that conversation or ask you a theological question or, you know, really take notes or be able to pay attention. And, and you might mistake that for that. They're deeper spiritually, but you just have to speak a junior hires language and its relationship. And going back to what we talked about at the beginning, I also, one of my um, things I tell parents and leaders over and over again is fun is their love language too. They want to have fun with you. They want to make memories with you. They want to have inside jokes with you. They don't want you to roll your eyes when they're being silly or be like, Oh gosh, like you guys, you know, they want you to jump in with them and they want you to let your hair down, be crazy, not have your pride on your shoulder, you know, just make them feel like, okay, I'm in it with you. I'm for you and I'm for whatever you're doing. Um, But like I said, those are the things that all of a sudden unleash or unlock that spiritual capability for whatever reason. I know it sounds kind of weird, but um, they just have to be in the right zone. And, you know, we've been talking about this whole time. How do we guide and lead them to get in the zone? And um, that's, that's on us, but it's absolutely possible. Well, and I think it goes back to one of the things we shared in the middle of the episode. Even inside the ways you're hoping to communicate with the middle school student, consider the flow. I think for a lot of our high school students or older, we start with a big concept and we want to like make it and break it down into a very personal, applicable kind of thing. I think in a developmental way for a lot of our middle school students, it starts in the opposite direction. In what ways are you relating to me? In what ways is this related to me? And in what ways could this maybe be a broader concept? So instead of trying to take the balloon and pull it down to earth, they want to see that what is concrete and real connected to you, connected to community, connected to the ways in which they are known and liked and loved by you 
grows and blossoms into the larger kind of abstracted conceptual idea. And so if you are trying to present the big idea and then make it personal for your middle school students, you might be operating in the wrong direction of flow. And so whether you're planning a program or trying to impart wisdom or scripture or theological truth, consider in what way you are flowing the messaging to them. For our friends that are combined middle school and high school, this is where you are at a crossroads and are going to have to be very thoughtful and trying to accommodate both in the ways in which you are presenting, sharing, and communicating. And at the end of the day, realizing that all of ministry is some level of controlled chaos, but with the right thoughtful and careful and strategic planning, that there is good ministry that can be done and that there is excellent, excellent things that can come from your efforts in ministry. Guys, that's great stuff. Uh, is there anything else you want to leave us with, Chad or Kristen, when it comes to middle school students and our expectations? Any one-offs that we shouldn't miss before we close this one up today? Um, first of all, Kristen's uh, last little bit really made me miss middle school ministry, like a lot. Um, but I, I think, you know, of all the the, the uh, frustrations that we kind of covered today, um, I think the only one that's really left is um, – really all the questions that middle school students ask in the bus. And I think we can all agree that we, we don't really have an answer mm. for that. And that that's always going to be the case. Yeah. And you know, one thing I thought of too, as I was um, sitting here is just, you know, don't be afraid to be, um, this is going to sound weird until I explain it, but physical <laughs> with the junior hires, they're such a physical group. And um, man, my worst nights are when I try to play Jeopardy with them or uh, some kind of fun Q&A question that I think is going to be like, oh, how fun, you know, uh, like a game show or something. But man, they want to run. They want to play. They want to sweat. They want to throw balls. They want to hide. They want to be chased, um, you know, and then I feel like I notice on those nights, I get their attention so much better when I've let them like just burn their like toddler energy. Um, and then w relationally, like, man, I give every kid a high five, every kid a fist bump. I, you know, give every girl a hug and I, you know, try to my, I watch my male leaders roughhouse with the boys and throw them in the pool or do whatever. Like they are just such a physical group. Um, so don't be afraid to run and jump, play, you know, hug, high five. I think all those things communicate, um, love and like to them and make them feel like, yeah. You're for me. Okay, this is a relationship. No, that's good. Uh, Chad, Kristen, thank you so much for sharing today. If you have questions uh, related to student ministry that you want to hear answered on After 9, make sure to email us at either Zach or Chad or Kristen at After 9. We'd be happy to have you connected to what's going on with us here today, and we'll see you back next week. Thanks for listening to After 9. To continue the conversation, find us on Twitter or Facebook at After 9 Ministry or visit www.after9ministry.com to subscribe and learn more.
I'm gonna show you things you've never seen before.